2: My name is Jillian Lee Garner. And I'm Courtney Bell. As we all know, every day, millions take to the internet to find love, lust, a little something in between. While some of these hangouts result in exciting new relationships, some become devastating dates with death. We're about to share with you and experience right alongside of you the story of one such deadly online connection and hopefully how you can avoid it. It's time for I Met My Murderer Online.
3: Fahim Saleh was born from Bangladeshi nationals while they were working in Saudi Arabia. The family of five frequently relocated for work, but all the while strived for the American dream, eventually settling with their family in Rochester, New York.
2: It was not easy for the Salehs in America. They were a very close family, but they knew nothing would come easy. They worked hard, and despite their efforts... Fahim's father struggled, and his financial stress was obvious. From an early age, Fahim had a passion for technology. When
3: Fahim got a new toy, he would take it apart to see how it was built. As Fahim grew into his teen years, his technical talents became extraordinary.
2: He developed and monetized his first website, Monkey Do, which featured jokes, pranks, and other novelties for teenagers. By his own admission, Fahim had a sophomoric sense of humor, yet a very kind heart.
4: Fahim had a focused entrepreneurial vision at the age of 15.
3: This is forensic psychologist Dr. Judy Ho.
4: He was building websites like Teen Hangout, a before-its-time social network, eventually becoming a community blogging forum. He was a kind, talented, and fun-loving kid known as Generous to a Fault.
2: Fahim began generating a lot more revenue than most boys his age. He was bringing in $150,000 in profit while still in high school. His father worried that his work would get in the way of schooling, but what he didn't realize was that that work was his schooling. I think it's way more valuable to be building your own websites than learning the electron configuration of carbon. You know what do I mean? I, I
3: also I'm so surprised that you remembered what that would have been, but I know <laughs> I totally agree. I, every single time I see that number, I'm like, how much money were yeah, you making like, a month? This is a good substitute for AP Calc. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> An unbelievable human being. Yeah.
4: Fahim's sister described Fahim and his father's relationship with her brother as very special. They were so different. His sister said, our father worried too much, while Fahim never worried. Fahim was the only one who could placate him.
3: As we mentioned, Fahim's family was extremely close. His two younger sisters, Reef and Ruby, along with his mother and father, couldn't be prouder of Fahim.
4: By the time he graduated from Bentley University in Massachusetts, he had built the
2: website Prankdial that had generated more than $10 million. To quote Fahim, I just sat at home in my pajamas, created something, placed ads, and generated revenue. Who is this? So you the
1: one who hit my car? What? Well, you left your phone number on my windshield. How, I I don't even know who you are. Who your insurance
3: company be? Fahim's prank dial app turned out to be popular, which makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. It was simple. Choose a prank and send it to a friend. There was even a feature, Evil Operator, where you could have people call other people to make them believe they called each other. The Pranktile app put Fahim on the gaming app map. Fahim was merely getting started.
2: Fahim was prolific. But his success didn't come without its share of problems. I'd imagine from a prankster. But in 2015, in the federal court of Minnesota, a man claimed that the website victimized him. This man was an agoraphobic with panic disorders, claimed he was harassed with these prank calls over the course of days, bringing him extreme stress and even causing him to wrongfully accuse a friend of making the calls, which caused a massive amount of embarrassment. But the trouble with prank dial didn't end there.
3: Former Hudson County Deputy Director Kirk Eady used one of the site's features, Evil Operator, To initiate and record a conversation between two people, allowing the other person on the same phone call to think the other initiated the call. Which, Jillian, I don't know if you've ever seen. There's a TikTok video that I've seen on my page many a times of a child who put their two divorced parents on the same line as each other using this app and made them think that they were calling each other. (gasps) And then got into a huge fight, obviously, and like... Although a very funny video on the outside. Yeah. Just, I mean, thinking about how that would feel on the other side. Just now that Yeah, being the parents. Yeah.
2: yeah I've only terrible. seen this used in, I don't know if you've seen the viral, I think it's Jimmy John's. And oh. it's like two Jimmy John's on yes. State Street. <laughs> yes. And they have the two phones together and they're like, hi, this is Jimmy John's on State Street. Yes, this is Jimmy John's on State Street. What would you like? What would you? Like? And they keep going yeah. back and forth thinking that the person is calling for it. It's. Hilarious, but I can see how it can be manipulated mm-hmm. and used to cause a rife between people. Mm-hmm. Edie recorded conversations to find out private information about prison union officials and a webmaster who was critical of prison management. Edie would use retaliation such as hauling their spouses with allegations of infidelity, giving the men bad work schedules, as well as registering one of the men in the KKK.
3: Edie was sentenced to 21 months in prison for his actions, for which he served 15 months. When he came out in 2017, he would sue Soleil, stating that the app made him think recording the calls was illegal. Prankdial has since removed the evil operator feature. Edie lost his job and his pension.
2: Learning from his lessons and growing older, Fahim wanted to create something that, in his own words, adds legitimate value to humanity. So, in 2015, he co founded the rideshare company Pathau, the Bengali word for send. It was an on demand digital platform working with ridesharing, food delivery, courier, and e commerce services. The site focused on three major cities in India and Nepal. Pathau would soon gain a valuation of over $100 million. Pathau is currently the number one rideshare platform in Nepal, Bangladesh.
4: Fahim was emerging as the Elon Musk of the developing world. He was addressing the needs of underserved communities across the globe. Technology made him wealthy, but now it's also made him into a real hero.
3: Seeing a niche market in 2017, Fahim co-founded the Nigerian motorcycle rideshare company Gokata, creating jobs and bridging the gap for essential services in Lagos, Nigeria.
2: In 2019, Fahim moved to a loft apartment at 265 East Houston Street, a luxury dwelling that Saleh purchased for just over $2.2 million. Fahim made it. The apartment was beautiful, and the building's elevator opened directly into the seventh floor, and it was all Fahim's.
3: His space became his sanctuary. And Fahim planned this spot in the world to be the place where many important scenes in his life would play out. In this moment, this scene, a moment of great pride, where he proudly hung an American flag in his living room for all to see. The country that made his parents feel welcome was also the
2: place where Saleh made millions. Tech wizard Fahim Saleh had an estimated net worth of over $150 million. He had accomplished the American dream but made enemies during the process. And soon the question that was on everyone's lips, to what lengths would they go to get even?
5: Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Tech
3: CEO Fahim Saleh worked his way to elite status among New York City entrepreneurs. His apps brought his personal wealth to over $150 million by age 30. Fahim settled into a multi-million dollar sanctuary on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. On July 13th, he went for a three-mile jog, missed a work conference call, and no one had heard from him since.
2: At approximately 3.30 p.m. on Tuesday, July 14th, 2020, Fahim's cousin was worried after hearing that family members had not gotten responses to text, along with the fact that Saleh missed an important work-related conference call. Listening to her intuition, she stopped by his apartment unannounced.
3: After ringing the buzzer and not receiving an answer, she uses the key that Fahim had given her in case of emergency.
2: She took the elevator up to the seventh floor, and the elevator doors opened to reveal an incredibly grisly scene.
1: Grim discovery in a New York apartment, the dismembered body of a 33-year-old man. The victim was identified as Fahim Saleh, a tech entrepreneur. Inside his luxury apartment on the Lower East Side, police found a torso and bags containing a head and limbs and an electric saw. Security video shows him struggling with the man at the apartment entrance, but so far, no arrests.
3: Fahim's cousin was horrified when she saw the body of her cousin dismembered. The scene was soon swarmed by the NYPD investigation teams. They comforted Fahim's cousin as best they could. But the scene was horrific.
2: Fahim's cousin found him lying decapitated and limbless in the corner of the room with fresh blood puddled around him in what one would assume was a butchering interrupted. With the electric saw that was used in this horrendous act still plugged into the wall. This is Forensic Psychologist, Dr. Judy Ho.
4: Fahim's family was devastated. They are a very close and proud family. Not all of the family members are in New York City. And what is particularly hard is that news spreads so quickly now. The news of a dismembered tech CEO on the Lower East Side was everywhere.
3: Immediately, rumors spread. Crowds gathered outside of Fahim's building. CCTV footage showing a well-dressed man on the elevator with Fahim began to make the news within hours of the discovery of Fahim's body. Neighbors speculated that the police may even know who it was.
1: All the stories about who did it and, and the, the the footage from the elevator is... Uh, uh, so there's
0: footage from the
4: elevator?
1: Yes, there's oh, wow. footage from the elevator. I don't know if
4: you're...
1: So I I haven't personally seen the footage from the elevator, but according to the press, they are saying that um, this person entered uh, his apartment. And when he got on the elevator to go to his apartment, he was very closely followed by somebody who was probably with him. And it seems like when he got out of the elevator, he was murdered.
2: The need for 24-hour news seven days per week has led to jarring discoveries for families who have lost loved ones. Due to the fact that the cousin was on the scene, a next of kin was considered notified. So it was everywhere and as sensationalized as news can possibly get. Over the next few days, even though New York
3: City was in the throes of the COVID-19 pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement, Tech CEO Dismembered made the headlines of every New York paper.
2: Internet sluice and news sources immediately focused on the lawsuit with former Hudson County Deputy Director Kirk Eady, who went to prison for an illegal wiretapping conviction which Edie blamed Fahim's prank dial app for. While another
3: lawsuit with the agoraphobic man from Minnesota seemed improbable, Edie or the Nigerian motorbike company's troubles overseas, appeared more probable. Especially after a Facebook video publicly uploaded by Fahim, pleading to the Nigerian government to stop the financial bleeding for his Nigerian motorbike
2: rideshare service, Gokata. On August 14, 2019, Fahim shut down all Gokata services to refresh his company. It returned on August 26, 2019, just 12 days later. He started the company with Dejio Dunton, who was the first CEO of Gokata.
3: O'Dunton left in March 2019, and Soleil stepped into his role assuming all responsibilities that came with it. A former employee told the Daily Beast that O'Dunton and Soleil clashed over how the company should be run, and most of the original staff was let go.
2: Soleil told another media outlet that accusations of mismanagement were unfounded. People lost jobs, and they were unhappy. O'Dunton also took credit for raising $5.3 million in capital before he left.
3: The Silicon Valley expectations for this Nigerian motorbike company were lofty. But people lost money. As the old saying goes, money is the root of all evil.
2: Because of Fahim's work with underserved countries, people were trying to understand and make sense of how a man who, to quote his parents, was loved by everyone he met and respected by all he came into contact with, was taken from this earth in such a violently tragic and unforgivable way. Was this a hit? Was the brutality to send a message? The talk of Nigerian business, legal, and financial issues dominated speculation.
3: The police started their investigation and began to build their own theories of why the hardworking entrepreneur was so brutally killed. Gokata, the enterprise that he had been so tirelessly working on, was shut down. But was it due to operational issues or was it corporate sabotage? Did Fahim come across the wrong people in his efforts to create opportunities of employment within this impoverished nation?
4: So much of the focus was on the brutality of the crime. Although it is true that knives and cutters are very personal weapons often used in crimes of passion, They can also be used to allow bodies to be removed in multiple bags or suitcases. So this can be a more professional approach and not always passion. What's difficult here is Fahim didn't have any personal enemies. He was generous, perhaps even to a fault.
3: Could overseas business ventures gone wrong lead to a professional hit on Fahim and his home? Or was prison director Kirk Eady's loss of his job and his pension reason enough for Edie to commit such a heinous crime? Someone murdered Fahim Saleh.
1: Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Fahim Saleh, the young entrepreneur and tech giant, was ruthlessly killed in his luxurious Lower East Side loft. As local police build their witness list, they soon realize that Fahim's assistant, Tyrese Haspill, holds the answers to many of their unanswered questions.
3: Traveling overseas became dangerous for Fahim. He was looking forward to returning to his new apartment on the trendy Lower East Side of Manhattan.
2: But his problems with Nigerian officials and his motorbike rideshare service, Gokada, were dominating his time. Pathau, Fahim's successful rideshare venture in Nepal was going well. And things were initially going well in Nigeria with Gokata until the bike ban. Fahim felt like people were conspiring against him to break down and ruin Gokata and their chances of long-term success. He was even detained by police. Fahim shared his troubles on Twitter.
1: Yeah, these three dudes came in to ask for my documents. Did not have them on me. I guess you should always have them on you. Not sure if that's legally required.
3: Forensic psychologist, Dr. Judy Ho.
4: Fahim went from juvenile joke apps to moving mountains in people's day to day lives in developing countries. Patheo and Gokata are light years away from Prank Dial. Fahim was aware of this as he reflected on his social media. He was determined to make Nigeria work for the greater good despite his difficult issues there.
3: Government officials were placing a ban on the bikes using safety as their reasoning.
2: You know, as an entrepreneur, I'm never going to give up because that's the true attribute of an entrepreneur, never giving up. But this has definitely been a blow. Um,
1: Entrepreneurs are the ones that really change
4: countries.
2: Meanwhile, back at home in New York City, Fahim's 21-year-old assistant and chief of staff, Tyrese Haspel, handled most of the day-to-day business. He became very involved in Fahim's life, as well as being a budding entrepreneur and a workout enthusiast content creator.
3: Tyrese handled Fahim's banking, where he had access to the passwords, checks, as well as a key fob to his apartment to care for Fahim's beloved dog, Layla. Fahim may have told Tyrese information that could lead to finding his killer. And what is more intriguing to authorities was his own access To the crime scene.
2: Anyone who has a key to the home of a murder victim would be a suspect. Having access to the crime scene would force the police to eliminate them from their list, basic protocol. However, having a key doesn't make you a killer. But
3: Tyrese knew all of Fahim's legal trouble as well. The police zeroed on Tyrese to find answers. Did Fahim confide in his young assistant the clues that led to his grisly murder?
2: Fahim worried that a man in prison was suing him for $10 million. He felt that that man, Kirk Eady, wanted to get back at him for the embarrassment that was brought upon him by Prankdial's evil operator feature.
3: Fahim was looking over his shoulder while trying to run his business.
2: Tyrese was aware of the gravity of the lawsuit and that people were after Fahim. And then the unexpected blow to Fahim he found proof that Tyrese was embezzling his funds and using them to purchase lavish gifts and even transferring funds to his account. A stunning betrayal from someone who he trusted and had such big plans for.
3: Something that is really popping out to me here that I hope you know everybody understands is even when somebody is assisting with your money or your funds are going through the company that is paying you Mm. consistently checking in where your money is going Mm -hmm. is so huge and I know a lot of people will label you as controlling if you're trying to I don't know just like it doesn't seem like it would be controlling you're trying to see where you're getting or you're being paranoid yeah I feel like that is a huge lesson that unfortunately people learn when they're young and obviously Fahim was young at the time as well. There's, you know, 30s, you know. yeah. yeah. Unfortunately,
2: it's not an uncommon story Mm -hmm. of friends or close assistants. Mm -hmm. Managers. Managers stealing money from their clients. Yeah. With access to
3: every aspect of Fahim's personal life, Tyrese, seemingly jealous of the life that Fahim had been able to build for himself, ran away with nearly $100,000 from Soleil's bank accounts.
2: Fahim, angry with the trust that had been broken between the two, was also saddened to see the relationship soured. And trying to save himself from the embarrassment, knowing he had made another mistake by trusting everything in Haspel, decided against going to the police with a story of embezzlement and deceit. He was resolved to put this aspiring tech wizard, this computer con man, on a payment plan to get himself paid back.
3: If Ahim had reported Tyrese's crimes, Tyrese would have most likely done some time.
4: After embezzling nearly a hundred grand, it's difficult to patch that relationship up. Boundaries must be created.
3: The police now armed with surveillance footage and digital evidence of Tyrese fleeing from the scene of the crime makes Tyrese not only a person of interest, but possibly an
5: unexpected killer. The NYPD
3: had text messages between Fahim and Tyrese about the missing money. The question was, did Tyrese make any payments? Or is this killing motivated by not ever intending to make the payments? Tyrese was still innocent until proven
2: guilty. Law enforcement found a charge for an Uber ride the morning after Fahim's murder to a local hardware store and located a security camera which identified Haspel as the rider and the customer who made a purchase on Soleil's credit card for an electric saw. When detectives
3: examined the recently deceased entrepreneur's phone, it revealed text messages between Tyrese and Fahim that accused Tyrese of stealing upwards of $100,000, which has now, in law enforcement's minds, become a motive for the murder.
2: The other suspects, like Hudson County Deputy Director Kirk Eady, was dismissed by the NYPD early in the case because police began surveillance on Tyrese almost immediately. The mainstream media and internet conspiracies over the next few days stirred stories involving Edie and Nigeria, but it was all speculation. Tyrese had access, motive, and apparently was capable of murder. Forensic psychologist Dr. Judy Ho says the internet is not reliable when it comes to accuracy. The internet
4: has become such a powerful tool in finding information. Unfortunately, it also provides a tool for inaccurate information. And since many internet theories are seen on the same platform by many as news, where people might not even assume it has to be verified. Many of the theories were wrong and accused innocent people like Kirk Eady and Nigerian business people.
3: Anyone can upload a website and say anything. It's important to allow authorities to gather information and seek trusted news sources. Between Fahim's murder on July 13th and July 17th, the NYPD teamed with multiple divisions, including 7th Precinct Detective Squad, Manhattan South Homicide, Financial Crimes Task Force, Crime Scene Unit, Computer Crimes Unit, and the New York, New Jersey Regional Fugitive Task Force, gathering evidence and arrested Tyrese Haspill.
5: On Monday, July 13th, at approximately 1.45 p.m., Mrs. Saleh was assaulted by Mr. Haskell with what appears to be a taser. While exiting an elevator into his apartment, Mr. Fahim Salih's cousin discovered his dismembered body in the living room of his apartment with his head, arms, and legs amputated.
4: Tyrese, why'd you do it? Tyrese, why'd you have to chop him up? Are you taking any money from him?
5: Tyrese, why do you need to
2: chop him up? Tyrese, do you have anything to say? No more Tyrese. Tyrese, yeah. According to police reports, the CCTV footage from the lobby and elevator reveals how Fahim may have been stalked and murdered by Tyrese. Tyrese, disguised by a mask is seen standing silently in the back of the elevator as Fahim uses his key fob to access his floor.
3: As the elevator doors closed, Tyrese stepped towards Fahim. Feeling a presence, Fahim turned around and realized it is Tyrese behind him. He removes his earbuds to speak.
2: Tyrese then pulls a taser out and fires at Fahim, who was instantly immobilized. The next day, Fahim's family sends texts to Fahim that go unreplied. Remember, the businessman has also missed an important conference call that had everyone on alert. After also not being able to reach Fahim, his cousin decides to go down to the loft to check on him. What his cousin saw next sent her into shock.
3: His legs separated below the knees. Other limbs and the head had been placed carefully in various plastic bags, again, in a matter that would only be described as calculated.
4: It was a heartbreaking and stunning revelation to the Saleh family that their brilliant and gifted son and brother, Fahim, was dead. The method, the murderer, and the mayhem in the press. There really aren't words to describe this.
2: We would find out later that Saleh was stabbed five times in the neck and torso before the dismemberment. He also had wounds on his arm and left hand that would be consistent with an attempt to fend off his attacker.
3: By using the location info from Tyrese's phone, they not only surveilled him fleeing the murder scene, but extracted data that implicated him as the only one who could have done this heinous crime. After cross-referencing his phone's location, just one day after the Grizzly killing... They discovered security footage of Tyrese at a big box store where he procured an electric saw and cleaning supplies capable of doing the handiwork that was done to the corpse of Fahim Saleh. It was paid for with Fahim's credit card.
2: The sloppiness of Tyrese using Fahim's card to get to and from the Home Depot to purchase cleaning supplies is astounding. Police also had cell phone data and credit card statements from Fahim's showing multiple Uber rides to and from the scene of the crime. The police, now hot on the trail of
3: Haspel, followed him to 172 Crosby Street, where Haspel had taken a short-term vacation rental with an unidentified woman. The police spot Tyrese on surveillance exiting an Uber with two balloons, one in the shape of a two and the other
2: in the shape of a small heart, both paid for with the deceased credit card. Tyrese Haspel is taken into custody without incident. The New York prosecutor's office charged Tyrese with second-degree murder and the killing of his boss and longtime confidant, Fahim Saleh.
3: Tyrese's attorney, who was provided for him, made this statement.
4: When they put out these facts, allegations, it sullies our client, it paints a picture to the public that this guy's a bad dude before the public knows anything about it. And I think we want a fair trial.
3: He's in times of due process of law. Tyrese's lawyers further argued that he was a 21-year-old first-time arrestee whose constitutional rights are in peril, namely his presumption of innocence, his right to due process, and ultimately his critical right to a fair trial before a jury of his fellow New Yorkers.
4: Tyrese had a difficult childhood, and all the cards seemed to be stacked against him as a young child growing up. When he was a child, his mother was sent to a mental institution, leaving his maternal grandmother to raise him until her death when he was just 12 years old. His aunt took a young Hasbolin in, but turned him over to a foster family at the age of 17. He was never violent in her eyes, but stayed out late as he became increasingly insolent and disrespectful. She knew it was time for the now young man to move on. Tyrese's father died just a year later.
2: The initial charge was second-degree murder, but was up to first-degree, viewed as a premeditated attack. For now, it keeps the NYPD's number one suspect, Tyrese Haspill, off the streets. Bahim's sister Ruby made a public statement. My family and I
3: are in such shock and debilitating pain.
4: My brother was brilliant, creative, spontaneous, whimsical and generous to a fault. My family and I will do everything in our power to keep Fahim's memory alive and to keep his visions ongoing. We will also dedicate ourselves to ensure that Fahim gets justice. My brother's death was a crime of the most cruel and heinous nature. If you're someone's sister, the next time you see your brother, please hug him as tightly as you can for as long as you want. Because that's all I want to do every time I see those photos. But I'll never be able to hug him again.
3: If there's one thing that I've really taken away from this episode and... Fahim's tragic passing is the fact that it does not matter what we speculate online, we need to mind our own business mm-hmm. because the amount of times that we we don't even realize that we might be making things worse just with our theories and I've heard so many journalists talk about the fact that if what the general public is talking about is going in one direction, even though if they think it logistically makes more sense to write about something else, they feel it necessary to write about what the public is talking
2: about. People always believe the first lie. Mm. That's that saying.
3: And I know we kind of breezed over the fact that Kirk Eadie actually was not a part of this situation Mm -hmm. at all, but I couldn't imagine what his experience was like during this.
2: Absolutely. It doesn't matter what country, city, or state that a murder occurs. These days, nearly every crime leaves a digital trail. In the case of Fahim Saleh, it was searching
3: for an assistant that led him to meet his murderer online.
2: I'm Courtney Bell. And I'm Jillian Lee Garner. Please subscribe, give a rating, leave us a comment, and make sure to follow us on Instagram at IMMOPodcast. Be safe.